What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Bleacher Banter Podcast presented by Bleacher Fan Sports. It's your host, Tommy Buns, here with Sully and Jones for another week with you. Uh, I got to kick things off first and foremost saying congrats to my boys out at the zoo, out at UMass, bringing home that ice hockey national championship. Dominated St. Cloud State 5 nothing in the national championship. Beat Minnesota Duluth, widely regarded as the top team in the country. Won the previous two national championships. Beat them in overtime in the semifinal. That's all Just, they live for up there, too. They got nothing else. We beat two Minnesota teams. Three yeah. of the four teams in the Frozen Four were from Minnesota. Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, and uh, St. Cloud. We beat two of them. So, hey, guess what? UMass, baby. Number one, back-to-back national title games. Got embarrassed by Minnesota uh, Duluth two years ago. The last time the national championship was played. Got revenge on them in the semis this year. Took the natty home. Couldn't be happier. Only thing I regret is not being out there for it. If it could have happened last time they were there, would have been a little bit better because I would have been able to enjoy it. But I enjoyed it from home. Rocked my UMass gear. Saw the boys do it. Just had to give them that shout-out. But we had a big weekend. Uh, it was Masters week last week. Um, we somehow neglected that in the last week's episode. Just didn't talk about it. Brain fart on our part. But we will do a little recap now. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama became the first uh, Japanese player or Asian player, I believe, to win a green jacket. Really uh, exciting for him. Uh, played yeah, really Japanese well. Player to win a major. Wow. Japanese, oh yeah, right. Because there was two male Japanese yeah. male. Because two say. two others uh, finished second in the yeah. opens. That's right. And Y.E. Um, Yang won the PGA Championship in twenty two thousand nine. Beat Tiger Woods, uh, but he's South Korean. Okay, okay. So big weekend for him. Obviously, uh, played great the first three rounds. Ended up plus one after uh, ended up in the water on fifteen or sixteen, I believe. 15, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, 15 on Sunday. So didn't have his best round, but um, it was his to lose. He had a nice cushion going into Sunday. Didn't have his best round, but did enough to get the W. So uh, congrats to him. Uh, some notable stuff, though. Dustin Johnson, the defending Masters champion, just doesn't make the cut. Does this delegitimize his Masters win with it being in November? I mean, Augusta in November, that's a different course. That's not the That's not the Masters course. That's the Augusta in November course. It's true. I don't know. I mean, he didn't he didn't play well at all this this week. So no, he didn't. That's tough. But I mean, the green jacket's a green jacket. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> go home and do his t bumps with Paulina. <laughs> oh, very true. Yeah, but Spieth got back in the mix. Uh, had a really found his groove again. Yeah, um, he he had a real rough couple years there. But Spieth, uh, I mean, he came into the tournament off a win at the Valero Texas Open the week before. Uh, pretty convincing win, too. And, you know, you can just tell he he's kind of figured out his golf swing again. Um, and I think he finished T3 or T4 uh, at the Masters. Uh, I think four strokes off the lead, maybe seven under. Um, so he was right there. You know, he uh, he played solid every day. I think he went. I don't think he went over par any day. Um so I, I think it's encouraging for Speed the rest of the way. I would not be surprised if he picks up a major win this year uh, and gets his, his career back on track. Yeah, absolutely. And then Rory, the though, best... Rory yeah. is in trouble. Oof. He can't figure that course out for the life of him. Nope. Rory, he... he's, he's, he's so bad. Greeny said it like the week before. He's like... I know who's not winning, and he's like flat out. Rory has zero chance; like he's not winning it. And Rory's obviously a top five. Ten, I mean, it's crazy because Rory, three golfer. Like, honestly, talent-wise, Rory's probably the most talented guy on tour. You it's think? insane. Yeah, he's he's so good, and when he's at his best, he he blows people away. When he's at his best, all his major wins. You are think like, he's better than Dusty? Yeah, I think it is best. I, I, at everyone playing at their best, I'm not picking anyone over Rory. Just because talent-wise, yeah. he's he's. I mean, obviously, he's not Tiger in in Tiger's prime, but you know, right now of the of the premier players, I'm taking him over Justin Thomas. I'm taking him over Spieth, and you know, he's he's a crafty player like Tiger, and he has all those physical skills to go with it. Um, 
than the other guys. Well, what's gone point. wrong for him is he's trying. He he started trying to hit the ball far like the Shambo. Yeah, and he didn't oh, need to. He was already one of the longest hitters on tour. He didn't need to at all. I mean, if you look, it was kind of crazy. All these are all guys who did not make the cut: Sergio Garcia, Matt Kuchar, Max Homa, Kevin Kisner, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Lee Westwood, Rory McIlroy, Zach Johnson. Uh, Cantlay didn't make it. Jason Day didn't make it. Uh, names that you see, yeah, you know, big guys, big names that you see at the top of the leaderboards, most tournaments just could not figure it out. Yeah. The, the, it, I think this is one of the years where tea times really affected who, you know, the, the leaderboard in the first two days. Um, the course was much easier on the second half of day one and easier on the first half of day two. So it really, it kind of, depending on where your tea time was, you kind of got caught with a advantage or a disadvantage. Um, but you see Max Homa got, he just stick stuck around after missing the cut to watch his friends play. He was yeah. just like standing in the gallery hanging yep. out. I did see that. That was pretty awesome. Uh, That's what I would do. I mean, fuck it. You're at Augusta. Yeah. Just hang out for a couple of days. Get some of those pimento cheese sandwiches just for a dollar fifty. <laughs> just yeah. go enjoy yourself. Why not? I mean, hey, you still made ten grand to go play golf. Like Yeah. You got paid ten grand to play two rounds at Augusta. Exactly. Think of it that way. That's um, why like Kevin Kisner when they asked him, like what because he said something in the interview like he's yeah, yeah, I'm never gonna win at Beth Page Black. Like I'm never gonna win at Carnoustie. And they're like, Why do you keep playing? He's like, You guys give out a shit ton of money for twentieth place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, uh yeah, I will take my uh I'll take my hundred thousand dollars to uh to lose by ten strokes. I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. You know who played phenomenal in the last and I wish he would have had a chance to win? Uh uh Rom. Rom was phenomenal the last day. Yeah, Rom I shot a last. 60, he went from like 66 nowhere six in the last round. Yeah, to yeah, whether he was six or seven under and yeah, the he, final he had round. a good round two, I think it was, or round I think it was good round two and then an awful round three and then he uh well, he shot par the first three rounds. Oh, okay, shot, never mind. Yeah, shot so, par yeah. the first three rounds and then had was six under on, on Sunday. Yeah, if he was like just Rom like two week, under could... on any of those days, he would have had a real chance. He uh he had a kid the like a few days before the Masters. You can't Yeah, a week before he had he had a child. Yeah, so you got your mind's elsewhere, you're not gonna get a lot of sleep. You have to just I punted on picking Rom this year because he's. Well, he said not to pick him, but originally because he might have to have a, uh, he might have to leave for the birth of his child, and then once his child has, you know, some people I'm sure vote, uh, bet him because, you know, for the story. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, how great would that have been to, you know, have the birth of a child and then your first Masters win, in the same yeah, week? Yeah, I mean, insane. That is, that's got a, uh, what's it? That's got Tom Rinaldi written all over it. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite stories of the weekend was uh, the guy who finished second. Was it Zalatoris? Happy oh, Gilmore's Happy caddy. Gilmore caddy. Happy yeah. Gilmore's caddy finished second at the Masters. I love that. I love that uh, Sandler got in on the joke and, yes. and congratulated yeah. him on Twitter. Yeah, that's crazy that that was. He's him. one of those. I'm glad he got that national spotlight though, because he's he's been one of those guys that's really been hanging around um, in lesser tournaments. You know, he's he's not out here winning, but he's he's, you know, grabbing top tens, top twenties in, in lesser tournaments. He's young, right? Yeah. Um and he's I'm glad he got that now casual fans know his name. Um he's no longer yeah. just a, a a young up and comer for the hardcore golf fans that they know. Um so uh, you'll you'll start to see his name pop up more and more now that people know it. You'll start to notice it more. He's he's been a really solid golfer this year. So Yeah, he has been. What is it to get into the Masters? Isn't it if you've won one of the other majors in the last five years, and then if you there's win the Masters, whole, you're in for there's life? There's a whole list of of um, qualifications. I'm pretty sure if you win, winning an event gets you exemption into every tournament for a year. So, like, if you win the Masters, you get automatic exemption if you want it like you're automatically in you can always choose not to play in any event but right. you're automatically get an invite to every event for a year if you win a tournament okay so 
So like you win the 2021 Masters, you have an automatic invite to every tournament from now until yeah. the end of the 2022 Masters. And for the Masters, you have a lifetime. I believe if won. you win the Masters, you have a lifetime invite. Right, because how could Fred Couples play if he exactly wasn't? right? Um, and VJ like yeah, uh, you know, and like Arnie was playing when he was like fucking seventy, <laughs> right? Um, shooting like you know eighty three. <laughs> Um, Be- but better than some guys <laughs> yeah there is some limit like a, if you win a major it's you know like three years or five years or something like that there's there's and there's you know everyone in the top this amount of the rankings gets an automatic invite it's it's like the tournament there's like you know a million different automatic bids and then there's a list of at-large bids you know it's all types there's it's all types of jumbled around i'd have to look to see the exact um stuff that gets you in but pretty much you know you there's there's a whole boatload of ways to get in so if yeah. you're you have to you have to be still playing on the tour though to get an automatic invite to the masters right if you win yeah i mean they do invite amateurs but it's like you know kids it's like college kids or kids who just graduated it's like yeah i think they had three this year it's like the three best amateurs one of them the shot shot par on day two yeah i think you need to this was the first year in a long time that none of the amateurs made the cut um, I know a winner of the U.S. Amateur gets an automatic bid. Um, it might be like something from the NCA, someone from the NCAA championship team. I'm not sure how that is. I'm not sure how they're selected beyond. I know that the winner of the U.S. Amateur gets an automatic bid. Beyond that, I'm, I have to look it up. But yeah, the, 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 the Masters has always been big about, um, that's how Arnie got into his first Masters, was winning the U.S. Amateur. That's how he got his first invite. Oh, I'm actually reading right now. So, amateur players who receive invitations to the tournament are current are the current champions of the U.S. Amateur, the British Amateur, the Asian Amateur, the U.S. Amateur Public Links, and the U.S. Mid-Amateur. The runner-up at the U.S. Amateur also qualifies because of the because of their amateur status. These players cannot accept prize money from the tournament. Yeah, I think as an amateur, they think you're capped to like $500 for a prize. That's unfortunate. Imagine winning. You just don't get the $2 million. <laughs> yeah. I feel like just from the tough. endorsements at that time, though, I mean, you would get, you'd get you that gotta, $2 million. Yeah, I don't know what happens either. Like, I don't, I don't know if you get a tour card, you know? True. I, I, I don't know if it's automatic, you know? I'd have to imagine... School. If you win the Masters, they'd have to. Like, what are they? Yeah. You just beat, you just won at one of the hardest courses. You just, in the well, world. Yeah, you just won the probably the toughest golf tournament in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outside of like the U.S., I mean, I think I think the U.S. Open's a tougher tournament to win. Yeah, I think the U.S. Open is the toughest tournament in the world because they they create those courses just to fuck with you as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Augusta's Augusta is definitely the most desired. The Masters is the most. If any right. any player will tell you, if they want to win one tournament, it's the Masters. Right. And it, and you know there there's obviously an element of it being difficult to like play that. Like you might think, oh, it's the same course every year, but like that almost adds to the difficulty in ways because you know obviously it's different pin placements and stuff like that. It's just it's a it's just tough. It's it's one of the toughest courses to begin with, you know, but. Um, the U.S. Open, I would say, is the hardest tournament to win just because they build these courses to make to purposely make it as fucking difficult as possible. Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, when they had it at Shinnecock, the winner was like two under. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. insane. I mean, like guys who are scratch won. golfers shooting like, you know, par, you know, one, two under on your normal, your standard, you know, suburban country club. You're lucky if you're breaking 80, 85 on, on a course like Shinnecock. It's just yeah, it's so crazy. so much hard. Like or at least that a course like Shinnecock when it's built for the U.S. Open, you know those courses are closed for weeks beforehand to mm-hmm. help prepare. You know they grow out the rough, they cut the green super slow, they are super fast. It's there's a whole preparation to it. Yeah, remember um, when Fortnoy did his uh, unlimited mulligans there? Oh, yeah, Shinnecock. Shinnecock's one like of the a, most beautiful course I've ever seen. It's out in Southampton. Like, yeah, played like a seven-hour round. <laughs> Took like 350 mulligans. 
I mean, I, I, I would have to, too. I'm a good golfer. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but in other news, sad news, uh, Jamal Murray, torn ACL, out for the rest of the season. Bad for the Nuggets. Real, real bad for the Nuggets. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a, a real backbreaker. They they looked like they could really be prepared to make some noise in in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, I mean, they were what are they like eight and two, nine and two since Aaron Gordon came on. They won seven in a row when he first got traded. Uh, yeah, they were hot. He looked to be a real finishing piece for them. So that's that's tough because they really could have they could have challenged someone in a seven game series. They you know especially you know maybe the Lakers are without ad for a game or two like you know the nuggets can beat the lakers full at full force in a game you know not that series probably goes six and if they're without ad or with lebron for one game all of a sudden it's game seven you know that's you don't think they can beat the clippers they could beat the clippers oh, they, they, could beat, beat they could beat the jazz they could beat the suns mm-hmm. i mean they, they they can run with anyone in the west and now they can't and now Murray's going to miss probably the start of next year, too, because it's so late in the oh, game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll be out. Yeah, we won't see him probably until close to this time next year. Yeah, I would have to assume. Yeah, I'd, eh, I feel like ACLs are getting real short. Like, not. Yeah. It's no longer the 12, 13-month recovery that it used to be. It's, right. It's more like a 9- or 10-month recovery. Yeah, there was a, uh, <laughs> there was a fighter, Tony Ferguson, he tore his ACL and then fought six months later and didn't do physical therapy. That's insane. I mean, he AP, just did his own physical AP, therapy. Eight months later, fucking yeah. rushes for 2,000 yards at, what was he, like 31 or something like that? Yeah. Some people just, they're not human. Unfortunately, Jamal Murray is a great athlete, but I don't think he's uh, quite on the level athletically as uh, Adrian Peterson at that time. <laughs> yeah, no. AP was a he, AP reset the standard. He re he remade the timeline mm-hmm. on ACL injuries. Yeah, to come back and do it like that, I mean, it just yeah. I mean it sucks for the Nuggets though. They they were they were really getting in stride, and that's I mean how do you come back from that? You obviously you still have talent on that team, but you, you're losing. I mean, they go from a legitimate contender to win the conference to maybe they get a first round series win depending on a matchup yeah and i mean the the west is so tough i mean the suns look so good what are they they've won like nine out of their last 10 there yeah (laughs) and if and now if if the if the nuggets even maintain any type of respectability you know if they still are playing pretty good basketball you can lock in Jokic for mvp I won't. It'll be over in in two weeks if they don't start lose. If they don't lose like you know seven of the next eight games, you can lock in Jokic for MVP. Yeah, because what we are, what like three? I think the season ends three weeks May from the end of the season. Fifteenth or sixteenth yeah. is the last something like that is the last regular season game. Yeah, because what so, we're at April thirteenth. But games wise, yeah, we're at about. 54 games, 64 games, no, 54 games. Yeah, yeah they're, fifth, playing, they're only playing 72 this year. Right, 54, so yeah, yeah, it's fucking like three weeks, four weeks. 18 games, yeah, yeah, about a month, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm nervous, I don't know the Celtics are even going to make the playoffs. But the Celtics, no team is just like, hey, we're waiting for them to turn it around, There's and it just doesn't happen. 10 teams make the playoffs. Yeah, well, yeah, teams, but well, you have to get to the know. play in. I'm saying, like, are you gonna be? Are they gonna be a top eight team, like traditional playoff? Yeah, or, I mean, it's technically, yeah, be in there. it's like oh, top cool. six, but I think only two and a half games or something separates the fourth and the ninth seed in the East right now. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta's it's eight super... games out of first and fourth, and we the Bulls or the Pacers are 11 games out of first in nine. So, yeah, I guess they're, they're definitely not. The Bulls aren't going to aren't gonna pass them in the standings. They're, they're five and a half back of the Celtics right now. So they'll make yeah, it, but it's just going to be unfortunate when in the first or se- in the first round when you've got to play Philly or Brooklyn or Milwaukee for seven games. I mean, they're not – this team isn't going to beat them. Yeah, it's, it's another yeah. one. 
sucks. Not good. The, the Heat aren't any good either. It's unfortunate. The Knicks holding on, Dave. I don't want us to make the playoffs. Well, I think you're going to. You're definitely <laughs> going to. I yeah. know. It would have to be Toronto to come out and. Toronto's if you didn't want to make one. the playoffs, you should have traded Randall. I mean, yeah, but that would have been such a bad. Like, the reason I don't want us to make the playoffs is because we've already changed the perception. Like, people are already on board unanimously that, like, the Knicks are trending in the right direction, that the culture is at least changed a bit or is trending in the right direction, that Leon yeah. Rose and Thibodeau are doing their job correctly and things will start to continue to come along. But we have two picks in, in what's supposed to be the best draft in 25 years, uh, prospect-wise. And to have neither of them in the lottery... To, you know, I'd rather be at, I'd rather have the eleventh pick and the twenty-first pick over the seventeenth pick and the twenty-first pick because then we can trade eleven and twenty-one and get to five or six as opposed to trading seventeen and twenty-one and getting to eleven or twelve. Mm. You know, and it just you know you can get a real impact player at at five or six or seven um, that you, you, I mean, you could at. at what at 17 and 21 but you know it's not obviously not ideal i just don't think that making the playoffs and losing in the first round is gonna change the perception any more than it already is did for brooklyn i but like would it have would it have been any different if they had you know finished in the ninth spot that year instead of what seven and I don't know, possibly. It, I mean, maybe I you're mean, right. Maybe the best solution is making the play-in tournament this year and losing in losing, the play-in tournament. Making the play-in tournament and losing and being the bottom of the play-in tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like still, you, I mean, how many so teams? You, 20, 20, so you could still be the 11 seed. You could still be the 11, uh, 11th pick, 11th or yeah, 12th pick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, 11, you, you lose in the play-in tournament, you get the 11th or 12th pick, and then, you know, Dallas will probably... That's still, traditionally, that would be a lottery pick. Yeah, it is. It will be. I mean, who, people who they're still doing the lottery, the top fourteen. So, like, whoever loses in the play-in tournament, I'm assume I'm not sure how they'll be seated. Whether it's like based on record or based on you know the order of when they lose or like their seating going into the play-in tournament. It'll I'm probably not... be order of when they. I mean, you know, if you lose, there's two teams from each conference that aren't making it to the from the play-in. They're losing originally, and then from those four, it's probably regular season record. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm, I'm. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking within the four that lose. Yeah, it would. It would probably be regular season record. That'd be the. You know, it'd either be that or head to head, but probably regular season record because that's how they. So that's how they do the rest of it. You'd want to finish at a you know lower position again, a nine or an eight or nine or ten, and then if you weren't the lowest, lose. you'd want the team below you to win and beat the higher team, so you'd be the lowest. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's I guess that's the that's the ticket is be like the nine, lose one game and have the ten win. Yeah, have the ten win. Yeah, because it's definitely but, gonna um, be out of the east. Like the nine and ten in the west is definitely gonna be a better record than the east. Oh yeah, definitely. R R J Barrett's killing it lately. He didn't last game, but he's no he had a rough game last then. night. But what? he's I said he had a rough game last night, but he's been he's been phenomenal of late. He's been clutch. He's been. So he's clutch. been He's been composed. He, he's um, written off so early. Yeah, so early. I mean, it, he I had unrealistic a, expectations. I was reading an article last night about how Fizdale just like completely ruined him when he came in because they he RJ had worked with uh, Chris Hanlon, who like you know the shot guru or whatever, the NBA coach, like the independently before the draft, and they basically like reworked his whole shooting form, and he had it like perfectly you know he was really confident with it loved it coming into the draft and then he got to nick's training camp and fizdale like immediately wanted them to change it and he just said he just felt like complete he just lost all his confidence in his jump shot and this year that's changed he's working with hanlon again and like the coaching staff of the knicks is just letting him do his thing and he's killing it i mean he's shooting like 42 percent from three uh since in his last like 45 games or something like that because he started off the season really cold like 
three for 30 or something like that yeah in the first like seven or eight games and then what has been for the year from three uh, i probably want to say like 38 or 39 percent maybe maybe not even that high maybe like 35 36 let me let me look it up right now um my guess would probably be 37 because yeah he's yeah, it's really something good from like the corners that. i mean he was six for six the other night yeah he's really good from the corners the wings he's still got to work on but um, he's also a lefty 37.8, so almost 38% from three Close. on the season. 0.8%. Uh, yeah, 38 is good. Yeah, that's a that's about... 40 is the, the number you really want to get to, but, you know, that's really good. Last that's 10 good. games? Listen to this. Last 10 games for Let me RJ guess. Barrett? I'll say 54. 48%. Oh. Guess what his field goal percentage is? His three-point percentage is 48? Correct. His field goal percentage? I'll go with 54 then. 45.9. So he's shooting better from three than two. Correct. Wow. Wow. He's, he, he's an interesting player because sometimes he looks like he's lost out there. Sometimes he's not involved in the offense because Randall's just going psycho. And that's and, what happened last night. Randall had like 36 or something last night. Yeah, I mean, sometimes bad psycho even. Sometimes he, you know, he doesn't look at you and he just dribbles and goes crazy. But... um he he doesn't yeah you know, we said he doesn't really do anything great. I mean he's, his shooting's coming there. He's decent passer, solid rebounder. He's just like solid across the board right now. Yeah, he's a solid defender too. I think he, he, he I think my favorite part of his game this year, like improvement wise, is his decision making and playmaking. He's like situationally, you know, he's just making the right decisions in so many more situations than yeah. than he used to. Um. Whether that you know that's it, driving, he's he's a guy that gets to the basket a lot, um, and he's he's doing a fantastic job of kicking the ball out. He's also surrounded by better shooters this year: Reggie Bullock, uh, Alec Burks. Burks has been fantastic, really Burks, underrated player. Burks, like two guys at different positions that are always kill it and never get credit. Alex Bur- Alec Burks always plays well when he gets minutes, never gets credit, always yeah. gets shipped around, and a player to a larger extent is Ennis Cantor. I don't understand how and no one values Ennis Cantor. He's always on a one-year deal somewhere, and he always kills it. He had 32 rebounds the other night. That's insane. Uh, he was a fan favorite when he was with the Knicks because he, he rides the and Celtics dies like with, him for, for his Tommy? team. They like him? Who's this? Cantor. Cantor. Yeah, I mean, he's all right. He's definitely not So he wasn't solution. a fan favorite. I know Portland liked him the first time. Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean... I mean, the the guy puts up like near double doubles whenever he gets yeah. he starts. Like he's a he's a beast rebounder. He's a he's a great offensive on the offensive glass. He's he's puts up points. He just he's just awful defensively. Obviously, that's his one Achilles heel. Yeah, but for the price tag you're paying for him, it's yeah for the price he's a, he's a bargain. Yeah, for anyone, I just don't understand. Like, need a big like. Nerlens Noel is like the opposite of of him. And I just saw a tweet. Look at this tweet about Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel this year, first in the NBA. Oh, fuck. It just went away. <laughs> what? Now it looks bad. Uh, Nerlens Noel is just like, he's the opposite of Cantor in in um, all these rank. Like, Cantor's so offensive focused. Yeah, he's Nerlens the defensive Noel version. Is, is the defensive version of Cantor. Um, but he's the same way. He's on a five-year deal this year. Or $5 million one-year deal. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah, who would you rather have, Noel or Cantor? Well, you had both, but... Um, Noel, especially... Okay, so here's it. Noel is first in NBA defensive plus-minus, second in the NBA in block percentage, wow. and third on the third-best defensive team in the NBA while earning $5 million on a one-year deal. One year deal. Yeah, that's that's it. Number one defensive real plus minus. Who do you think is a better effect on the team, Noel? Like, what are you better with, Noel or or, or Robinson out there? Uh, Robinson. I yeah. Think, yeah. Just because. I mean, Robinson. People are more feared of Robinson on the offensive side. I mean, I know he doesn't have that much versatility, um, but. Robinson but it's hard to argue with number one DRPM on, on for Noel. No, it's true. It's true. Um, 
But I mean, Noel's only getting these minutes because of Robinson. No, you know, I, I understand here. that, but I, I I'm a proponent the, uh, of the fact that Mitchell Robinson has been kind of overrated in a certain aspect of like his ceiling being a lot higher than it is. I think he's like solid and good, and he's like going to be a double double guy. You know, he's what is he like eight and eight or nine and nine now? Something like that. Yeah, he's something like that. He's like he's like a poor man's double double. And I think that's what he's going to be. I think he's going to be like, you know, 10 points, 10 rebounds. I think he's going to be that type of guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I remember, like, people talking about, like, oh, Mitchell Robinson and potential deals with the Knicks. Like, he's a big, like, he's, like, a big piece. And I just don't, like, I don't view him that way. Like, Yeah, I mean, like, people talking about him at one point, like, oh, yeah, he, he's going to be Carl Anthony Towns in three years. I know. That's what, that's what I'm saying. They were like, oh, like, like he's a big piece in a deal, like. Like, no, if you're at this point, if you're the Knicks, if you're acquiring a big player, you're like, I mean, obviously Knox is going to be in there. Like, that's like a neck. You'll have picks in there. You could part with Frank, obviously. I know some Knicks fans like Frank. I think he personally isn't Yeah, I love good. Frank, but he's the type of he's the type of player that really sweetens a deal um, as a, like a and, side piece. And, and, and I mean, someone like Mitch, if you're going for a big piece, I'm talking like a, a Booker-esque player, a John. Yeah, like a, you know, a true I mean, star. Like a, true star. Yeah, a star. Like you're throwing Mitch in there happily. Yeah, it's a, you're doing Mitch one or two first round picks, Knox, Frank, and you know if there's any salary fillers needed. That's the type. That's yeah. The type I mean, of deal I mean, I, I I'm sending him off, and knowing that his replacement Noel is just as good as in many in many uh, aspects. Yeah. Like just as good. I mean, aside from you know offensively, really, but he can you know he can get those offensive rebounds. He can block shots. He steals. He's a lot more active. He's a lot more yeah. active defensively. And Noel's a really high IQ player, and he's respected in the locker room. Which, yeah, you know, I so, think that's an aspect that what do you, Mitch what doesn't do you bring yet. Happens to him. You, you want them to like lock him up for like a three-year, 30-year deal, something like that? Mitch or Noel? Noel. Yeah, I think that's about what it looks like. Three years, 30 million. I think that's a fair contract. Yeah. Um, I think he's earned that, you know. Definitely, but I th- but the same token, I think that's what I'd probably want to lock Mitch up for. You know, maybe Mitch is four for. I think he'd be shooting way higher. No, I know, but maybe Mitch is four for sixty or something like that. I'm not giving Mitch twenty million. I'm just not. No, you know, he hasn't. He, there's no evidence to prove that to show that he he's earned that or. Someone might give him more than that. you. Someone might, um, and then it's going to be a tough decision. Um, maybe it's a sign and trade. Maybe it's we swallow it and trade him a year from now. Um, but I don't know. It'd be tough to watch Mitch go away for nothing. But by the what same about token, this? What about this? What about let's say the Nuggets go on a huge run. Let's say they go to the Western Conference Finals, and somehow Murray becomes expendable to them. Yeah, I'd love to have Jamal Murray. We should have had Jamal Murray. They took Jamal Murray with the Knicks pick. Yeah, that we traded you, for so our Andrea Bargnani. You'd love to, you, you, that would that would like it would still be hard because they'd probably be like, oh, we would have made it to the finals with Murray, but yeah, I mean, after what they saw Murray do in, I mean, he was their most dynamic player last year. In the, he's been in the playoffs. pretty unimpressive this year, though, between injuries and not. Oh, being he certainly very had a down year. I mean, if this would be the time to trade for him. But I mean, it's. I mean, it wasn't be bad. Real, he's just. He's just like you see that in the bubble, and you're like, star. Yeah, I mean, like everyone was, said, I said it. Like he's a star in the making, and he it's was like he'd be the best player in the bubble last year. He was unreal. I know. He and couldn't. It's like he the couldn't thing post is you have, videos of his girlfriend topping him off. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't allowed in. Yeah. You have you have the Joker who obviously has the ball a lot because of his passing. You have uh, Michael Porter who's killing it lately. You have, I mean, you have Gordon now, but those are like it's the big, th- those are like the big three there. It's like Porter's developing into that third guy easily. Um, he's putting up like twenty a night now, eighteen for the year, like almost double digit rebounds of late. So, but with that, like you know, Jamal Murray's not, he's not getting the ball like James Harden or Kyrie. He's not like, you know, getting that ISO maybe as much as he wants and like going to work. So like. If it works somehow better with let's you know you know I know Will Barton's not Jamal Murray but if Jamal if Barton can fill in very well and then you have 
you know, you have Gordon on the wings, you have Porter on the wing, you have um, obviously the joke, the Joker. Like I said, you know, they could still be dangerous, I think, and they've played great without him in certain games. They've showed some some um, signs of greatness. Um, maybe they do move off him, you know, and, and, and save a lot of salary. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if they could find a point guard that is a good distributor, pass first point guard, but can also well, knock down shots. Well, I always think shots. of him as like a, as like a, I don't think of him as a point guard, and I know he's listed as a point guard. I think of him as like a shooting guard that has really good that can handle the ball. Yeah, I mean, he played shooting guard at Kentucky, but you know, it's he not was like always, you know he, he always wanted. And I know to play the Joker is the real you know, he runs the offense through him. Of course. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's not the ball handler, but he's the one, they run the offense through him. So, you know, the point guard's obviously not going to rack up a ton of assists in that, in that offense. But, um, Jamal, you know, I, I, I like him as an all, as like a off ball point guard that can, that can really, that can do it all. But, so I guess he's kind of like a combo guard in, in, in some ways. But, you know, I think that would, you know, if you're the Knicks, get together a deal if the Nuggets start balling. Yeah, I saw they had reports today the Knicks were going to look at seriously considering Dennis Schroeder this offseason. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm more that than doesn't, one year That deal. doesn't excite me. No. No, me neither. Um, he's good. He's really he's become a good defender. He's he's he can his shots a little better than it was. He he he's, you know, drives the basket relentlessly. He's a competitor. He's going to help I, out the Lakers big time, but we need more um, wings older, scoring if you know, that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, you know, it's not the direction you really want to go. It's like if you get Schroeder, you either got to lock him up to a big deal long term, and he's going to be old at that point, or you know, it'd be a one or two year thing. It'd be like a Derrick Rose thing. Like Derrick Rose doesn't fit into the next future, next future. It's a cool story. Yeah, it's nice. He'll help to have us him. win games, but like, is he going to be part of the part of the you know next two three years? No, he's not. Yeah, I mean, I think they bring Rose back. Rose will probably be on the team for the next. Yeah, two they or might, three but years. like, but like in the in the long term plans. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, that's when it's like Schroeder would be part of their long term plans. Yeah, no, of course not. But at the same time, do right you want to pay? Mitch, right now, it's Mitch. Hopefully, Noel. If you get him on a deal, a good deal. Uh, RJ, you know, possibly do you pay Schroeder. Do you want to pay Schroeder fifteen to, or ten to twelve million, or do you want to pay Lonzo Ball fifteen to twenty? That's where you're kind of at. Because yeah. you're not gonna. I mean, outside of drafting a point guard, you're not gonna. Well, gonna I would love Schroeder for ten million. I think that's a steal. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. I mean, maybe maybe that's not what he's gonna be had for. Um, but look, we know Lonzo wants twenty, and someone will probably give it to him. I don't no know if I could who, give Lonzo twenty with. I wouldn't give Lonzo anything close to twenty. I mean, not anything close. I'd give you know if I if he wanted, I'd. 16. I would I would be fine with 15, 16, 17 for Lonzo, but that 20 number, it's a lot, you know? And sure, Lonzo shows flashing you the other day, you know, 20, 27, 15, 12, triple-double, and you're like, oh, okay, this guy's a yeah. fucking he, beast. Uh, he, what do you call it? He's, he's, I don't know how much more he has, like, ceiling-wise in him. I don't know. I mean, we you see those type of games, and you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, he's improved his is... shot. And he's a really good defender. Yeah. He's fantastic defender. He's fantastic in the open floor. He's a pass-first point guard. He's he's a flat-out good shooter. You know, maybe it, it, part of that is shot selection, but at the end of the day, he's he's a legitimate threat. What is quickly? Quickly's more of a two. Uh, I mean, he he played both at Kentucky, and he's played both in the NBA. The Knicks are bringing him in as a point guard. I mean, he when he comes in, he runs the offense. So, I don't know. I mean. I, he to can me, play the two, though. Absolutely, absolutely. But he well, wants so like to play. If you, point if you guard. add for the future, if you add Lonzo, quickly, RJ, you know, and I mean, who knows where Obi fits in? Maybe you know, six man off the bench, ideally. You know. Um, yeah. It's funny that quickly actually plays the best, his most efficient games, and and uh, you know, pre stats and all that. All those analytics are when he plays with Derrick Rose. When him and Rose kind of alternate bringing the ball up, that's when Quickly's at his best. Um, so I don't know if it's a comfortability thing. I know him and Rose really get along, like kind of taking, you know, Jedi Yoda and Luke Skywalker type thing, taking him under his wing. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the numbers show that he's he's playing the best with Rose. 
D Rose just making guys better all these years later. Love it. Wish Can't do it on better. his own. Just making everybody else yeah. better. Hey man, um, that's the way he's going to contribute. Um, another thing that happened this week, uh, sad day for me. My man Jules Julian Edelman announced his retirement. Uh, failed his physical with the Patriots. He's got the knee injury that he's been battling um, since last year. Did he actually year. fail the physical though, or did they just were like, yeah? I that's think they happened. probably just said that so they could uh, get out of the contract. Get out of the contract, and it was probably they probably mutually agreed on something. I'm sure Kraft probably was like, hey, yeah, you know, like, there's, there's a, a duffel bag under the back deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But sad day. One of the best uh, Patriots receivers ever uh, had some of the biggest plays. In the biggest moments, I mean, he had that uh, touchdown pass he threw to Amendola against the Ravens back in 2012 or 14. I think it was 14 because we won the Super Bowl that year. Um, and then yeah, obviously former quarterback the, Julian Edelman. Yeah. Then the uh, the big catch in the Super Bowl against the Falcons that seemed impossible somehow. He caught it after bobbling it and keeping it an inch off the ground. I mean. The guy was probably the most reliable receiver the Patriots have had ever, and he played a long time. Sad to see him go. Very, very Everyone's sad. Everyone's doing day. the Hall of Famer thing. Is he a Hall of Famer? That's the big. That's the big question these days. Ah, I, I don't know. I it's like borderline. He definitely has. I mean, three-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. He's borderline. He's definitely he's, borderline. He's borderline. I'm not gonna. I could see him getting in. Because of the moments he's responsible for and his, you know, accomplishments statistically. If it was statistics alone, obviously not. Yeah. Um, he doesn't even lead the Patriots in any categories. He's up there in almost every category a receiver can be for the Patriots. But, um, I mean, statistically, no. But with his with his accolades and his moments, I I could see it happening. I could definitely yeah. see it happening. I thought about it for a while. It's because they only let eight people in every year. Right, exactly. It's. I was originally leaning no, and I think I'm more gravitating towards no after I saw more information compared to people that aren't in it. Um, For example, Heinz Ward is not in it, and Heinz Ward has nearly double everything and has a Super Bowl MVP. Um, So, uh, like, Heinz Ward, like, his numbers are much better, obviously. And it's, like, another thing... And he didn't have Tom Brady, obviously. He didn't have the GOAT. Julian Edelman had the greatest quarterback of all time, and he never produced without him. We went to the Niners. He went to other teams. He never produced. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons, five 700-yard seasons. We know the, the numbers, but he was very consistent for a slot receiver. Wait, um, wait. When, when did wait. Edelman play for yeah, the Yeah, what are you talking? Edelman was on the Patriots his entire career. Are you sure? 100% positive. You're thinking of Welker? You're thinking of Wes Welker. Went to the Broncos. Yeah, Welker was underwhelming outside. Yeah. Well, he didn't yeah. produce. Well, he only played half a season without Brady. We only have six games or eight games of sample size without Brady. Let me see this. I'm pretty sure he left them and came back. No, he didn't. <laughs> he did not. He stayed because last year was the first season without Brady, and he only played half the season. All right, that. I think he played idiot. six yeah. games. Yeah, no, I know me and Dave were both what like, am I what thinking the fuck of? Someone, are you talking about? So then, okay, so then he didn't produce even when he had Brady some years. Injuries, though. He was very injury prone. I mean, he missed. I, yeah, I'm he willing to bet he, he missed probably 30 games over his, whatever, 10 years. I bet you he missed yeah. close to 30 games. Um. Yeah, just like. His first four years are like 359, 86, 34, 235. Playing, playing behind Welker. Yeah, and then, and then. I mean, there's, he also, there's here's another thing. Here's another thing. Like, he did take steroids. He for Belichick. So, like, he did get a four-game suspension. That's another thing that I think he people did. have not been talking about really. Like, he took steroids. So, like, I know it's not as big a thing as in baseball, but it's like if you're borderline and you took steroids in football. I'm probably gonna leave you off. It's a tough yeah. sell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he'll get in. I mean, obviously, I would like to see him in. I think he's had some of like the most outstanding moments in in the biggest games, but it's probably not enough to get him in. The Heinz Ward thing is a, is a pretty tough 
Yeah. Heinz oh, yeah. Ward's Heinz Ward. Because if Heinz Ward isn't in, he shouldn't be in. There's no, no question who's better, Heinz Ward or Julian. It's Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward's a, a, a far better blocker as well. Heinz Ward was, you know, not that Julian doesn't do a lot of other good things, obviously, in different positions. But, like, he had Ben, but going from Ben to Brady's a huge upgrade. Right. Right. You know, so like, what if the roles were reversed? Like, the the disparity would be even bigger. Yeah, he also didn't um, have Ben his whole career, and you, you got to remember Ben the first. You're five right. Or he didn't have Ben his whole career of, in the begin, beginning of his career. He had Cordell what, Stewart. No, who was, was his he name? Um, Cordell Stewart was there. I just don't, I don't know how he how many years he overlapped with with Heinz uh, Ward, but he was definitely there around that time. Heinz Ward was he came in the late nineties. He got they had a veteran quarterback, something like that. A veteran white quarterback before Charlie Batch. Isn't Charlie Batch black? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a rough episode for me. Oh, Sully, Sully, wait, 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 wait. Are you having a stroke, Sully? Are you are you stroking out? Wow, Charlie Batch's middle name is Charlie Batch is definitely black. You know, Charlie I'm Batch's sorry. middle he's, name he's, is he's the Dante. He's light skinned, yeah, but Charlie Batch his was middle the name is for, he was the Dante for, stuff for a while. He was for yeah, he's yep, more of a for, backup though. Who who was yeah. who, who was the quarterback for the Steelers before Ben? Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> I'm telling you, Cordell Stewart. It was Cordell Stewart. Yeah, it Let's was Cordell see. Stewart. From 1995 to 2002, Cordell Stewart. Big Ben was drafted in 2003. Wow. Yep. I'm just, yeah, I'm not, I didn't bring it today. Jesus, Cordell number were weak. Listen to these touchdown numbers from, from 98 to 2002. Cordell had 11 touchdowns to 18 interceptions, six touchdowns to 10 interceptions, 11 touchdowns to 8 interceptions, 14 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, and 6 touchdowns to 6 interceptions. How did they stick with him? And he, he played Bettis. all 16 <laughs> games until the last year, until 2002. Oh my god, and so his record, 11-5, and 7-9, 5 7-4, 13-3. His career record is 6 games, is 14 games over 500. Yeah, with those numbers. Oh my I mean, god! I mean, I know it's a different game, you know. They also, they Even also had, they had Jerome Bettis for all those years too. Oh, I know. So, they I mean, you, definitely you, had. You, they you had, had the bus. They had Palomalu <laughs> for yep. towards the end of that. Yep. Wow, you learn something new every day. Crazy, but yeah, I don't think I don't think. Uh, he had more Edelman picks than touchdowns for his career. He had eight more picks, seven more picks. That's, That's a tough, tough look. That's tough. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a sad day. Sad, sad day when yeah. I saw that he was retiring. Good for him, though. I mean, he's had, he's had a lot of struggles with injuries. Obviously, he had that you suspension. Think, I'm sorry to interrupt. You had... think I would have picked it up when I heard Foxborough forever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with you today, man. I think you're, I think you should, uh, you should get checked out, man. I think you're. I think you're having an aneurysm or something. I think so too. Yeah, it's. I'm surprised um, you didn't I mean, even consider going to Tampa. You know. I. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> he'll sign halfway through the season. Who knows? Gets the Gronk. I mean. Yeah. It'd be a bad yeah. look after Foxborough forever, though. Yeah, it I would. mean, I I don't think he'll do it. I think he genuinely is done. I don't think. I think he's washed. Also, I think like anymore. like his like body is just done. Mm-hmm. Like his, like his, I think he'd need steroids. Like, I think he would honestly, yeah. he'd come back for eight games next year and have the, like, you know, like tw- 22 catches for 306 yards and a touchdown. He might. On the I year. mean, with if anyone, he could do it with Brady, but like, would yeah, he even he... be high enough on the depth chart? Is he no, better than cause... Scotty Miller? I, I would probably take, they have got a bunch of young, I mean, AB might return. He'd be the third wide receiver behind the two studs. And then after that, fourth and fifth, you have, um, what's his name, Tyron Scotty Miller, and the, who's the the young Johnson. kid they really like, Johnson. Ty- yeah, yeah, Johnson. Like those those guys, they are talented. So like, they have a really nice receiving core. Yeah, yeah. 
And they could they could draft one. People think they're going to draft one because Godwin's on the on the franchise tag. They could take one. At the I end mean, of the AB first wasn't round. even putting up crazy numbers. No, he yeah. just had a couple big moments at the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Edelman's style of play, like he can't play that way if these injuries are as bad as he's saying they are. Like there, you just you can't be that like bang them up slot receiver that he was for all those years. I mean, the the amount of hits. That dude took across the middle when he's getting a bullet from Brady and then a split second later is getting leveled by a linebacker or D back. <laughs> like it's just it, it's you can't play that style of football. I mean, he's he's got to be at least 35, 36 years old. Yeah, he's, he's ancient. I think he's 34. That'd yeah, because 2000, 2010, he got drafted. You figure he was. He was definitely a four-year, at least four-year college guy. I mean, he went to prom with Jerry Rice's daughter. That so. is true. That is very true. When I saw that yesterday on Twitter, I was like, huh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. He yeah. was just dating Jerry Rice's daughter in high school. Very, very interesting. Yeah. It's a hell I mean, of a story. For, yeah. I mean, good for him, though. Getting, getting yeah. out. Got some brain cells left. He, yeah, he's going to go fucking chill. He's going to have a great yeah. life. I'm not exactly. crying over Julian Edelman. He's he's gonna be just fine. He's probably no, smiling he'll probably year year. he'll probably move down to Tampa and just hang out with Brady. That's what I say. He's gonna go all down to Tampa, time. but he's just gonna hang out. He's gonna yeah, be drunk all the time. He's just gonna yeah, he's just gonna go to all the games, just hang out with Brady <laughs> in Jeter's yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's gonna move in with AB. He's him and AB are gonna be roommates. Yeah, him and AB can share the West Wing in Jeter's house, yeah. in the guest house. Oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, good for him. But next week, we will get into more football. The draft is fast approaching. Late draft this year, but we will get into that. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, in the meantime, go follow us on the socials, Your Fan, Your Banter. Rate and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, check out the store at BleacherFan.com. Go get yourself some merch. Dave's wearing his T-shirt right now. Gotta go get it. Got that Bleacher Banter Pod t-shirt on. We got Bleacher Fan merch. We got some team-centric merch. Go check it out. And we will be back next week with another episode.